Okay. Hello there. Welcome to Big Brain Hour, Episode 2. Our special guest in the studio today here is Aaron Joy, my roommate. Um, Steve, want to start us off with our first segment? Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm just going to hit you guys with a date, all right? February 8th, the day that will live in infamy. Uh, Aaron's going to tell us a little story about what happened, what went down, and uh, some of his thoughts on it. Aaron, take it away. Yeah, I got to say, 2.8.20. Now, that was a day. <laughs> the night before, we went to a rager of a party, right? Mm-hmm. Come yeah. home the next day, you know, everything seems fine. Everybody's just waking up in the morning. We realize, oh, you know what? We need some IHOP here. Mm-hmm. So we pull up to the IHOP in Boulder, you know. I mean, it's just every morning occurrence. And what we do there is just unspeakable. It's just, it's terrible. It was. One, one member of our party that shall not be named may or may not have gone into the IHOP bathroom after consuming an entire Colorado omelet and may have thrown up and pulled trig all over the bathroom. Immediately Jeez. after that, we had to leave because we were like, okay, this is a scene now. And then we all left. We go to check out. And of course, you know, I leave a generous like 15% tip. And of course, that tip came out to be $4.20. Mm. And you know, everybody was memeing on me, but I was like, you know, it just is what it is. I'm trying to be nice to the hostess. It's a bad sign, though, of things yeah. to come when your tip brings up to $4.20 on the dot without even trying. Here's the thing, though. The day was just getting started. So we returned to the apartment later that day, and we realized that there's a crisis at hand. Roommate's phone is gone. In his phone, buff one, credit card, phone, all gone. So we don't know who took it, but all we know is someone tried to spend $250 at the local King Supers. <laughs> All right, now whoever spends two hundred fifty bucks at the local King Supers, you know that person's just thieving. You know, yeah. I mean it's just terrible. So Absolutely. of course we have to go on a manhunt. We tear across the apartment, make sure it's not in there, and then we're like, oh no! And then we have to pull up. <laughs> we we then get another charge at the local McDonald's, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And McDonald's, you know, it's not exactly the high point of society. So no. we're like, there's probably some suspicious characters trying to buy an eight dollar fifty meal. Yeah. I mean. So we pull up, do some recon initially, park the car outside, slide to Walmart or McDonald's, look inside, do some recon, look for some suspicious characters, and we walk in, diamond formation. Strongest mm. formation, can't be broken. Absolutely. My boy Steve over here grab, <laughs> makes an order of a large soda, <laughs> just to make it look nonchalant. You know, I check the bathroom, make sure the phone's not dropped in there or any suspicious characters in there. Yep. And then Lincoln and Reagan, his sister, pull up, do a perimeter sweep. And we got, we got nothing. We got yeah. nothing. We're sitting at a table brainstorming some ideas of what we can do next. <clears throat> and what can I say? I'm like, I got this, boys. I pull up to the cashier. I'm like, hey, have there been any suspicious characters in here lately? And he goes, yeah, there's been some lady in the bathroom for like 45 minutes now. Mm. And I'm like, well, that's exactly the time <laughs> that the McDonald's is ordered for $8.53. Exactly. So we walk over. We brainstorm. I lean in real close. I'm like, boys, I got the plan. Reagan, go get in there. And then Reagan, of course, is hesitant at first. You know, you don't know what you're up against. You could have some, like, crazy stuff going on in the McDonald's women's restroom. Like, you don't know. And then we pull up. Reagan goes in there. Reports back. Nothing. Gone. Clean. Mm. So, failed mission. Then we went to King Supers after that. And we were looking for some more suspicious characters. And, of course, King Supers just filled with sus characters. I mean, yeah. Let's be honest. Excellent. Everybody in there was trying to steal something. So. Yeah. Anyone in there could have been the thief, really. Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah. getting cash back for $250 could have been anybody. Yeah. Low profile. Yeah. You know what's so funny is when I worked at King Supers, that same stunt was pulled very often. They'd come in. Um, 
pretty clearly someone who probably didn't have to pretty clearly someone who's trying to steal a debit card come in. The name doesn't match them at all. It's like a woman's name on a, and they're dude. They, they, they buy like a pack of gum, $250 cash bag, attempt to guess the pin. Don't get it. Literally just walk out. And I'm like, okay, then that was a stolen card. Yeah, I got to say, I was also a cashier at King Subers. Fully relate to that story. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. It's a common crime. It's a terrible thing. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Well, let me tell you that, that day, that was one of those days. I'm sure everyone's had them where it's the day that just keeps on giving. When one thing goes wrong, literally the avalanche just keeps pouring. Aaron, you wanted to, you wanted to add something to this? And another update to this story. So we get back from the McDonald's and the King Supers run. We're devastated by the loss of the phone and the debit card. So we get back and Reagan realizes, oh, wait, I don't have my AirPods on me. And I was like, man, we really messed up. And we track it on the computer as Lincoln does not have his phone. And we track it down, realize we left it at the McDonald's. Mm. And Lincoln, would you like to describe what happened next? Yeah, so we left. May I remind you, these are AirPods Pro. Literally the most expensive Bluetooth headphones I think you can buy. Not something I would personally purchase, but my Reagan was into them. And she'd had them for three days. So we go back into the McDonald's because that's where uh, that's where I find my iPhone is saying they are. We go in there. We walk up to people at the front. We're like, hey. You see any, uh, see any AirPods sitting around here? They literally look at us. Um, they start speaking some Spanish. I hear them. You know what they're saying? They're saying which table. The guy in the back. The guy comes from the. This guy comes from the uh, drive-through window, and he goes, "Oh yeah, that one right over there." First of all, how did he know exactly what table they were at? He he pointed at it exactly, but he was talking with them. He didn't realize we really kind of knew what was going on. They're talking. The dude then gets kind of sussed out and walks away. We have a strong suspicion that those AirPods Pro are still in use to this day at that McDonald's. Every now and then we get a ping from Find My iPhone, and it's right from the employee break area. Let me tell you, I don't think there's more incriminating evidence out there. Not to mention, you lose a phone. Literally, in the in the hunt, you lose another high-value item. Unreal day, honestly. It was tough. Yeah, when, when it rains, it pours. It really uh, does, Steve. Is what they say. You know, here's, yeah. here's what I will say, though. Uh, you know, looking back... I think it could have been a lot worse, mm. but maybe this story speaks to the the security that we have because though he tried to take a lot of money, yep. uh, he was unable to because of the pin. So I mean, like, yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, he did end up being able to ring up that McDonald's purchase, though. You know, so that's true. He did get away with a free meal. Yeah, um, I will say, Chase customer support unreal. Got on the phone with them. I was off in five minutes. They'd already backed out the purchases, canceled the card. The damage was minimized. So. Big shout out to them. I think you got to really, got to really take a moment and thank those customer service representatives out there because they have a tough job. Mm-hmm. I don't think we acknowledge it too much. Uh, really tough job, and they did a really good job. Shout out to Chase. Really recommend their debit card uh, for anyone who's in the market for one. Okay. For sure. All right, uh, Aaron. Any last thoughts? Or I think that basically wraps up. Yeah. The day. Well, that will live in infamy. Yeah, it honestly does, Quite and potentially one of the worst days of. Existence. It was one of the worst days of my existence. And honestly, one thing I would do differently is I think honestly, maybe going on a manhunt as soon as we saw where he purchased his McDonald's was maybe not a great idea because first of all, what are you going to do when you get there? I, I, we didn't think this through at all, honestly, because what are you going to do when you show up to McDonald's and you see a guy with the, with the phone, like you attack him. Cool. You go to jail. You might've gotten your phone back for the moment, but that's assault. Vigilante justice just doesn't work. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work unless you're Batman. And um, 
what this whole thing has taught me is I think we do need a Batman. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think we definitely could use a Batman. So if you're out there and been thinking about it, go for it. A billionaire that's got some spare time and wants to get jacked, you know. Batman, Iron Man, any of of the above. above, Yeah. yeah. Plausible. (laughs) Certainly. All right. So this is exciting. We're going to do one of our first segments on the show. It's called Versus. Mm -hmm. And uh, every week when we do this, we're going to put different things against each other. Um, It could be animals, people. Uh, maybe just objects. Um, but this first week, we will be discussing who would win in a battle, silverback gorilla versus grizzly bear. Yeah. And, you know, this is a question I've seen floating around the Internet a lot, and I don't think we have a clear consensus yet online. So that's unusual, honestly. Oh, for sure. Reddit definitely usually comes to consensus on things like this. And so far, um, I've seen a lot of people, a lot of zoologists well-versed in this topic, and they can't even they can't even pick a winner. So... Aaron, I want you to give us your your opening thoughts. First thing you hear when first thing you think when you hear silverback versus versus grizz. You know, when I hear that, first of all, I have a lot of questions because mm-hmm. how would this happen? You know, one lives in the jungles of Africa, other yeah. one lives in the forest of the Northwest. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's one of the questions. Another clarifying question: like, are we talking full strength, like gorilla, grizzly um, bear, not damaged, just full adult males? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. That's probably the only. Yeah, it would have to be pretty equal in terms of like they're both like the apex of their. Mm-hmm individual species yeah so i'd say we I did a little research prior to this and a male silverback tops out at around 400 pounds that is one of the biggest ones ever recorded six foot and change 400 pounds that is a hog interesting and for the grizz they top out more at around 900 pounds for a full-grown male grizz so um definitely a bit of a weight disparity there so aaron any thoughts after hearing those stats so i'm about to drop an unpopular opinion but mm-hmm. i think that the silverback would take the grizz no problem See, that's my first thought a lot of times when I hear this question. Would you like to hear the reasoning behind that? Yeah, go for I it. I mean, to be honest, Silverback, I mean, have you watched the Planet of the Apes? Mm, I have. Gorillas have six times the upper body strength of a male human. Okay? Yeah. Think of like a really jacked human and yeah. then think six times the power of that. Yeah. Okay? He would take out the Grizz in about 2.5 seconds. If he wanted to, he could choke <laughs> him out. And also they have opposable thumbs and they have a brain. They do. So that he could use his tools to his advantage. He could make a spear or something. I mean, you don't know what could happen there. Like, mm-hmm. the all the options are in the air with, like, the opposable thumbs. And, yeah. I mean... Tool use is definitely always a possibility. I mean, what, what would the grizzly do? He'd just run at him and use his pure body weight to attack him? Like... Here's where I might push back. Uh, I'm a big... You know, I'm in the grizzly camp when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. And here's why, you know. The size is obviously there. The strength mm-hmm. is comparable. At the very least, but the grizzlies just got just more weapons, you know. Yeah. Like the claws and the bear, yeah, deadly. The teeth also deadly. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you put that along with the fact that it's you know everything else is pretty comparable, I think that gives them the edge. Yeah. See, I think the gorilla might honestly, in like a physical in physical combat, the the gorilla might be able to overpower the bear a little bit. I think because the bear, I don't think is as balanced on two legs. And I think the gorilla might be able to kind of push him around a little bit, but I think the bear has too many finishing moves. I think the bear has claws, first of all, that can leave like 12-inch deep gashes in the silverback if he puts a hit on him. And the bear also has the pot. It can also finish with the bite. The silverback, he's really only got the bite. To be fair, the silverback has the bite, but he's also got the arms. I mean, what if he chokes mm-hmm. him out? He's done. And have you ever seen Tarzan as well? Oh, I've seen Tarzan. Like the new one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, 
Tarzan would have gotten wrecked in that fight yeah. with the full blown gorilla. Okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like when he jumps him, the gorilla's going down full weight, and yeah. that will instantly kill basically anything. If he gets yeah. a good headshot on Grizz, done. KO'd. Yeah. Out of the game. This is true. I think the weight disparities is too much for me to overlook at this point, honestly, because almost a 600 pound weight disparity is, that's going to be enough to, I think that puts a little bit of space between the Grizz and the, the Gorilla, honestly, because I think the Gorilla might have trouble moving the bear now that I think about it. He might be able to overpower him in physical strength a little bit, but actually being able to move the bear around and put some damage on can be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Bear also has baggy skin. I think we're also leaving that out of the equation. Like yeah, the, the, the fur to too. Yeah. The fur is like almost like an uh, armor, if you will, yeah, the, from, from attack. Yeah, the silver bag might have a tough time actually grappling something like the bear is another <laughs> thing. I mean, this debate, it's still raging on. Yeah. And and among the among the um the philosophical halls of the world. So I mean, this is an answer. This is a question we will not get an answer to until it actually happens. And unfortunately, I don't think it's very likely to happen in nature. So I think it's going to stay in the theoretical for a long time. You think plausible? <sighs> you know, Steve, Any, I think it's plausible. I think it could happen. Silverback versus Grizzly. If someone was really committed, they could do a black market cage match or something. Oh, I'm sure that it's happened. That sure. test. Yeah. The problem is... um, PETA would be all over. Yeah, and we also don't support animal trafficking here on the show. So um, certainly not. Or animal yeah. cruelty. Yeah. yeah, so this question is more for theory versus actually going to happen. So, Yeah. Stephen Lee's into our next one. Already, yeah, of course. Well, as you know, we are coming up to Girl, St- Girl Scout uh, cookie season. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we just got to – I know there's some different opinions on this. Mm-hmm. And maybe Aaron could give us some of his thoughts. Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. First of all, only question I got to ask, what are you guys, Samoa or Thin Mint? Thin Mint. I'm a big Thin Mint guy. Weak. Oh. No way. Samoas all the way. Samoas no question. Kind of, do you like coconut a lot, though? Because that's, that's kind of a must if you like the Samoas. You know, it's all right, but I also like the chocolatey and mm. coconut and caramel taste. Like, yeah. it just all comes together in a great cookie overall. It does. If they it went up, like, the price went up 200%, that's would be willing to buy that. Oh, yeah. Oh, so you're talking a little bit of supply and demand. Like, if, for those of you who don't know. willingness to pay, yeah. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Aaron is our, is our resident econ expert. So he's a little bit of an econometrics researcher, so he knows a bit about supply and demand. So this opinion is worth something. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So um, honestly, I think more specifically, I wanted to talk about marketing tactics they've been employing mm-hmm. lately. Just today, I actually saw them um, posting up outside of a store. Something is nothing new. Today, they were actually outside of a lecture hall and on the inside of the lecture hall, right by the, right by the entrance door. If you get past the first wave, you're immediately getting bodied by the second wave, already asking to buy cookies. Listen, love Girl Scout cookies much the next guy, but I think this marketing has taught them that no place is sacred. I think that's what this marketing tells us. Um, any, you guys have any thoughts on this? I mean, I would like to pitch in, you know. I used to be in Boy Scouts, right? Mm-hmm. And I used to sell <clears throat> popcorn, you know, because that was their equivalent of like yeah. the Girl Scout cookies. Mm-hmm. And I got to say... I think what they're doing is just heinous. Yeah. Like to get even get close to like a school campus, you have to get a permit to sell stuff. Yeah. And do they have the right permits? Probably not. I doubt it. I mean, I walk to class some days and they're just sitting on the side of the sidewalk, just throwing boxes at people and expecting yeah. money back. Yeah. And they pull up with their wagons. And the, the craziest thing I even saw featured on Barstool Sports, still a video on there, I believe. 
craziest thing. SAE Darty in, I believe, like mid-April, maybe like early March. So maybe a St. Patrick's Day type thing? Around around there, around yeah. spring break, yeah. A Girl Scout, enough gall to pull up to a frat Darty with a wagon full oh. of cookies. And let me tell you, I've never seen someone sell more in so little time. Yeah, I've, heard, I've actually heard stories of them pulling up two frat houses during parties at the front door and just cleaning out their whole load. It was know? disgusting. Yeah. And also pledging last year as well. They pulled up during the middle of the pledge ceremony and started handing out cookies to all the frat members. Mm. It was disgusting. I'm not gonna lie. See what I'm just I'm just wondering what type of what type of parent is keeping on top of all of the local frat like events and knowing when to drop their kid off for this is another thing. I, I mean, like at that. the darty I was at, like kids were throwing beer cans in the air. I mean, full boys too. Like yeah. it was it was like Girl Scout could have gotten taken out by a Bud Light can or something. It was a dangerous environment. Not gonna lie, yeah, that is a dangerous environment. Steven, hearing this, it's kind of like uh, juxtaposition, if you will. Between you know, I think of. Uh, the Great Gatsby, mm. you know, you having like the fancy people living with the yeah. East Egg, West Egg. Yeah, 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 certainly. There's such a separation. At the same time, though, I can't help but, uh, you know, I, I can relate to the hustle that, mm. the, that the Girl Scouts are, are putting in to sell these cookies. And to me, I think if they're getting the results, like they're selling the cookies and people are buying, you know, and you being an econ, you can, you can, uh, you can at least support this, that, you know, there's definitely demand there, and they're mm-hmm. going to reach that demand, and they're selling all their supply. So I, I can't, uh, I can't fault them for that. Yeah, is society better off though by this? Are, are there any negative externalities that we are reaping as a result of this event? I gotta say, other than like disturbing the eyes of the young Girl Scouts selling picture or selling the cookies, I gotta say it's a great business decision. I mean, the demand's definitely there, mm-hmm. and as long as they got the cookies supply, mm-hmm. I mean. They're just going to be selling out. They're probably yeah. making tons of money in the Boulder area. I'm sure. They're probably but, top in the country. Yeah, see, I, I love I love knowing that these kids are getting out and selling stuff. You know, I like that. That's that's cool. But the one problem I have with it is we kind of have this, this corporation, the Girl Scouts, that is basically taking all the money and giving the kids, like, a prize that's worth no, – they're no better than an arcade. Like, you give them all this money, those are your tickets, and you get some terrible prize back for it that's worth, like – maybe one hundredth of what you spend to do that. So I think what you see here is the Girl Scout business is actually breaking in all the money and these girls are left with not a whole lot. They're, I can teach the valuable lesson, but I think it's complicated because we're letting this, this company is basically using little girls as a Trojan horse to get into different businesses and different Lecture halls to sell their cookies is my problem. To be fair, though, they do front all the cost of Mm. making the cookies, number one, Mm. boxing and supplying them. And they're basically just the salesman. And, Mm. you know, they're little kids. They don't want, like, a bunch of money. They want, like, a few toys. That's true. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think this, you know, just scouts in general, Mm -hmm. I think those programs do a lot of good for the youth. I'll agree with that. So I think, you know – despite the circumstances, the fact that they're making money to support that cause, I, I'm all for it. Okay, yeah. Honestly, I'm I'm leaning towards for it. I thought it was a little weird to see them posting up outside the lecture hall. That was new to me, you know. Yeah. But um, honestly, I think everyone liked it. I think it brightened up our day a little bit because sometimes when you've been grinding an assignment all week and you just see these little kids selling cookies and you're like, oh, they're simpler times. You know, you just think about that. You think about they're having a good time. Might as well help them out. Yeah. We'll say I wish I had some Girl Scout cookies on 2.8.20. Yeah, I know. We could have used some then. Oh, I don't certainly. I don't think it was the season, though. Yeah. It's coming yeah. in the season, though. Yeah. 
could have picked him up on the outside of King Supers when we went in to get the security footage. Yeah. Well, um, I think, you know, speaking of some questionable uh, business tactics, uh, if I understand correctly, Aaron was recently approached by people trying to get him to join uh, what we will call a pyramid scheme. <laughs> and uh, Aaron, your thoughts? Okay. So let me tell you this. We're in the middle of our intermediate macro econ class, you know, nothing too crazy. And these five guys show up in the beginning and start handing out cards. And of course, you know, me, I'm an idiot. So I just like filled out the card was like, oh, nothing's going to come of it. They're like, oh, we'll give you an internship. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. Like minimal effort, minimal work. Mm -hmm. And then two days ago, I get a call from some guy. I don't even know what his name was. It was the most suspect call I've ever had. Student painters, right? Mm -hmm. Scam. Everybody, if you're hearing this from CU, don't do it. Okay? They made off you $11,000 over the summer. It's all fake. It's all pyramid scheme. Mm -hmm. Because this guy called me. He said, oh, yeah, we're having a seminar this day. You guys can come over to us, but bring a friend. Okay? Number one, who asks for an internship and to tell you to bring a friend? What kind of reputable company does that? Usually it's just one-on-one. Yeah. Very sketch. Very suspect, number one. They probably just want to recruit more members to sell more product. Okay? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And then they also t- wouldn't tell me the name of the company. So I had to ask this guy <laughs> four times on the middle of our phone call what the name of the company was. And he finally told me, and I look it online, and then, of course, Reddit, first thing that pops up, scam, pyramid scheme, watch out, kids. All right? Mm-hmm. Suspect. So uh, then I called the guy. I'm like, okay, thank you for your time. Hung up on him. And decline to go to that meeting because honestly, I don't want to get used and just mm-hmm. abused for an entire summer selling yeah. some books or something, whatever yeah. they're trying to make me do. Yeah. And you know, the thing about pyramid schemes is, if I'm correct, there's actually nothing illegal about them. They are just deceptive. No, they're middle companies. So, like, yeah. Bond, great company, yeah. or a great example of that. Yeah. I mean, they just give, pro- they make the people buy their product and show it on Instagram or Snapchat or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they sell that way. Yeah. And they give the kids nothing in return. It's kind of like Cutco knives actually. Oh yeah. I've had some experience with that. Uh, I've had yeah. uh, I've had a few friends who sold those. Yeah. The way it works is basically you use your referral code and you get more and more people underneath you and you make a commission off of their sales as well. So while they did tell you, you can make $11,000 in one summer. That was probably, that's probably, they probably cap it at that honestly. And the thing is, you can't make that unless you literally are out here hunting people to give your referral code to, and they all end up joining. It's just, they tell you 11,000 and I guarantee you wouldn't even hit what you could make at a, a reasonably um, respectable internship is my opinion on that. Certainly. And yeah. I think the problem with most pyramid schemes is it's pretty like predatory in the sense that like, you know, you got the people at the top and certainly there's money being made there. But the fact is like the only way you're going to make money is you have to find victims mm-hmm. who are willing to sign up and be at the bottom. <laughs> and like you're you're pretty much taking advantage of them yeah. until the point where they take advantage of other people. But the thing is, <clears throat> there's no like full circle in which everyone can make money. There's always going to be someone at the bottom. The system just is rigged. Yeah, there's someone at the bottom in a pyramid scheme. And problem with that I have with this whole thing is pyramid schemes are going to exist. You know, why is CU letting them walk around their lecture halls and hand out papers like, how is you allowing this? Not a reputable company, I gotta say. Yeah. I mean, it was before class, and the professor wasn't even there yet, so maybe they were just swooping mm. in on an opportunity. But still, that is a good question to bring up. Maybe yeah. CU can answer to that. Because mm-hmm. I just think CU shouldn't allow their students to fall victim to these 
predatory scams. Here's the thing. They're going to lure a lot of kids with a le- the potential to make $11,000 in a summer. Especially That's freshmen. unreal. That's unreal. Freshmen are probably going to do it. It's, um, I just feel like they're allowing their students to be lured by a scam like this. And it's not something that I think we need on campus, you know? No, certainly yeah. not. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of pyramid schemes in my day and, um, Student Painters is by far the most successful one. Also, marketing themselves as an internship is just scandalous. That's not an internship. That's no. No. disgusting. Didn't, what it is. didn't they even say, do you want to run your own business this summer? That is exactly what they said, those words. So is a referral code your own business now? I guess so. Because that's <laughs> how that works. Sinful. In the mind of yeah. student painters. Yeah. Paint some houses, make 11K. It's all a lie. <laughs> Easy. Easy money. Nothing to it. They even said they were the oldest internship program in the country. They said they were around for 150 years old. We looked it up. They they have been, but that doesn't mean that they're a virtuous uh, corporation. No. No. Certainly a lot of problems with student painters. So all of you out there, if you get approached during your lecture, just don't give them your phone number. My boy Aaron here really had. um, This guy was entering aggressive negotiations with Aaron. And uh, Aaron kind of – Aaron didn't fall victim, but even Aaron – one of the most smooth talking people I know couldn't get his get couldn't get out of this before the guy actually got him to sign up for the info session. So it's tough. Yeah. You know that man was gonna try and get you to use his referral code too. <laughs> oh, you know he was trying to make a commission off me. He was building his army. He probably wanted me to bring my friends too. Make good like two hundred bucks right there. Mm-hmm. Just off that night. Yeah. Disgusting. Yeah, honestly, not a good thing going on there. Not big brand, certainly. Not big brain. And this is big brain hour, so we gotta call out things that we see in the world that are not. Certainly. Um, all right, we're going to do one last segment. It's going to be pretty quick. Uh, we're going to each be pitching a startup idea to our economic and business expert, and he's going to give us some thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to go first? Or? Um, actually, do you want to go first? I, I, can, I can certainly go first. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so, you know, I, me and my friends were talking a while ago, and somehow this idea got brought up, and I think it's, it's got some potential. But basically... Uh, stay with me for a second. You're eating the, you know, you're eating the chips and the queso or maybe like some salsa, but like, you know, you're just not vibing with those chips, but you love the salsa. So here's the one I'm thinking. Plastic chip, reusable. You dip it in the queso or salsa. You can eat it, but you know, you don't eat the chip, obviously. Uh, washer safe. Mm. Dishwasher and, uh, safe? Dishwasher safe. Yep. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let me let me get this straight. So your friend is trying to market a chip, a plastic chip that's not yes. edible, just yes. so you can eat the salsa? Yes. I feel like that already exists, and it's called a spoon, number one. <laughs> eh, I don't think it's the same thing. But also, I feel like there's a lot of safety hazards to that. You're putting this plastic chip in your mouth, and what if you think it's a real chip, and you just bite down, and you're choking on some plastic? If you think it's a real chip, I think there's greater problems at hand there. I think maybe you well, I mean, it. you could just be going through the motions of the chip eating and then not realize that you're actually using a fake chip. You Sometimes you just get in a zone, yeah. you know, you're dipping into guac, dipping yeah. in a sauce. You know, now that you think about that, or now that you mention this, double dipping might be a problem. Double <laughs> dipping would also be gross because usually you use the chip, right? You dispose of the chip in your mouth, right? But what about this one? It has your saliva and like all your mucus and all your other nasty stuff on it. And you're dipping that into a public salsa bowl. Are you going to tell me that is a party favor right there? 
I would say no. It's a tragedy of the commons. It is no, certainly. <laughs> you got a bunch of free riders using that thing. And then what if you actually pick up the wrong chip and then you put it in your mouth? I mean, that's mm. even worse. Well, here's what I'm thinking to circumvent this issue. You put out a whole bowl of plastic chips so that when, after someone but eats it, they can throw it into the trash. So, so after one use, after one use and one use and recycle, you can wash them. Let's I feel say, like that's yeah, no better than plastic bottles. One use, you take your, you slurp your salsa off, and then you throw it in a bowl, and then the the host, whoever owns plastic chips, washes them all at the end of the yeah. night as if they were dishes. That could work, but you would also need a lot of fake chips. Yeah, we'd make them affordable. Yeah, we could also put like name tags on them. So the only way this would work is yeah. if you pulled up by just yourself, bring your own salsa, and decide to just fiend your own salsa the whole night. Like a personal salsa? Yeah, but number one, who does that at any function? I mean, come on. Like, yeah. I just don't think that idea would work, Steve. Sorry to break it to you, but tell your friend, he's just ain't going anywhere with that. I understand. Yeah. Okay, here's my, um, here's my startup idea. So, basically, VR food. VR food. Okay, here's you how it have works. To break that down. Here's how it works. A VR restaurant, even if you will, throw on your fancy clothes. You go to uh, a VR food establishment. There's basically VR goggles hanging out. So are table. you in the VR you're world in the, already? You're, putting on clothes. You're in a restaurant that is literally just like in the real world. No, you're in real world. You put on clothes. Okay. You go to a VR restaurant. Okay. At the VR restaurant, you pull the VR goggles over your head with the person you went with. You can interact with each other in this VR world, and but your dish is served to you as a VR food. So in this way, you can experience fine dining without the high cost. So then what would you eat? How would you trigger yourself? So here's the thing. Have you ever seen that episode of SpongeBob when they just use that gray matter to yes. make Krabby, Krabby on Mondays? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So basically, we would, use, we would use that gray matter, and we would mix that gray matter with different flavor pastes in order to simulate the VR food experience. So in order to simulate a real food experience. So as they're eating it, they can see the v VR basically would cast an illusion that they're eating like a real nice steak at one of Paris's finest restaurants, when in reality they're eating gray mush. So would the gray mush be in like the form of a steak though? Yes, we, you'd press it in different things. So yeah, I think this really appeals to people that maybe love to travel, but maybe don't have the means to travel at the moment and would love to take their significant other, maybe someone that they're just important person in their life out to a fancy dinner. So that's when you hit up the VR food establishment you get your gray mush pressed into the shape of a fine meal, throw on the VR goggles, you get all the excellent ambiance, all of the finest in the fine dining experience, and you don't know any better. It's just like going to a movie. It's going to a movie, but you actually get to experience the restaurant. Aaron, any thoughts? Incredibly hot take, but I think that's actually going to happen in the future. I think that is a reasonable thing that might happen within the near future. I mean, yeah. VR has become so prevalent in modern day society now, mm -hmm. and I feel like that's just the next logical step. And yeah. then also, like, I mean, you look at the Matrix, that's basically what they do to feed all the humans in there. Yeah. They're thinking they're eating a hamburger in the VR world, and they're actually just getting fed through a tube. See, this is actually... It's, like, actually scary to think yeah. that that might actually become a thing I, one day. I actually thought about the Matrix when I was um, when I was writing the business plan for this, so... Um, I definitely think it's something that could happen. I think it might be a little before it's time. I but. feel like it would require like global shortages of food or something. Mm -hmm. Like maybe like a meat shortage or something. Yeah, and I think eventually we might get there. We might know? get there. It could be like plant-based. Like a plant-based green mush that or gray mush like a steak. that we can flavor to taste like a steak in a way that is sustainable in a way that we can feed the whole planet. So um, that's yeah. just kind of where I'm coming from. I feel like that could um, work. Yeah, I mean, I think I might need to run it by a focus group or two, but I think it's, I think it's plausible. I give that one a pass, yeah. I think that could work.
You hear that, everyone? Gets a pass. Um, I haven't patented this idea, so if you can beat me to it, go for it. But good luck. We got some business experts in this room. Yeah. All right. Um, so, as you guys know, we had a call for you guys to send in some fan mail. We sent out our email, and uh, we actually did get a response. And Lincoln, could you please uh, maybe read through, through it? Okay, so we did get 35 emails from our listeners. And um, the one disturbing thing about this is all 35 emails are from the same person. A Charlie Culberson is who sent this in. So um, basically each email is a singular letter, it appears. So I'm just going to go ahead and read it out here. H E hello my name oh he makes it my name there's a typo in here my name's Charlie this is not spam okay read that kind of weird because it is 35 different emails in our inbox and um, honestly Charlie thanks for watching the show I really appreciate that. Um, not gonna lie, man, you are kind of sussing me out with all 35 emails, though. I get that we are a pop and podcast, but 35 emails is a lot. That borderlines on that's that that fringes on insanity. Steve, any comments? You know, uh, generally, I would agree with you, but at the same time, I respect this person getting in early. He's an early adopter to the mm-hmm. uh, to the podcast, and yeah. I just want to say thank you for uh, your interest. And thanks for sending us your emails. Yeah, Charlie, I definitely appreciate the emails. Maybe next time try to put them all in one, maybe all in one um, draft so I can read it in a way that doesn't sound as if I can't read. I sound so um, we'd really appreciate that. Thanks for sending it in. Um, keep it coming. Uh, as everyone knows, please send us some more mail at bigbrainhour at gmail.com. Bigbrainhour at gmail.com. We'll read it out at the show. Um, yeah, if you want to get some airtime, that's the way to do it. Sweet. Um, all right, we'll just do some closing thoughts and I'll wrap it up. Uh, I think the takeaway for this episode is, you know, for the most part, I think people are generally good, but we have to be aware that there are people trying to scam you. You mm-hmm. know, uh, this comes back to both uh, the terrible person who who took your phone, you know, and tried to use it, uh, and at the same time, you got like another end of the spectrum. You got the painters trying to take advantage of, of students. So always uh, make sure that uh, you do your, do your research, be aware. Um, but that's, I think that's the takeaway I'd take from this. Oh, I absolutely agree, Steve. Any, any parting thoughts, Aaron? I think Steve wrapped it up perfectly. Honestly, just be aware of all those nasty scammers out there mm-hmm. and other people that want to not have your best interest in mind. Yep. And another thing, if you ever find yourself with a lost phone, someone trying to empty out your bank account, don't go after them because we learned very quickly that vigilante justice is much harder in real life and just doesn't work in modern society. I mean, if we were in medieval Europe, we could have pulled up the long sword and maybe done some work. But I mean, if you had a long sword, if you had a long sword, that would have been an expensive item back then. It's beside the point. <laughs> Either way, vigilante justice has no place in our modern era unless you are one of those eccentric billionaires who wants to become a superhero, which I'm all for. So, um, you know, when, when you get one of those days where something goes wrong, don't do what I did and keep trying to go to these fantastic lengths to fix the wrongs of that day. Sometimes you need to take your L, sit back, and process what just happened. And in that way, you will avoid having a day like we did on 2 8
wise words. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks for joining us on Big Brain Hour. Aaron Joy was a great guest for us. We'll see you guys next week. Same time, same place. Stay big brain.